are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Blackhawks and Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just want to say thank you to everyone out there for making both our shows your first listen and a reminder that you can check out the podcasts 100% for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm the host of Lockdown Blackhawks, Jack Bushman, joined today by Brett Holden of Lockdown Oilers ahead of the matchup on Thursday night at the United Center with Edmonton coming to town. Always fun when we get together to do these crossovers. I've rattled off a couple here to start the season. Uh, and we got another fun one today that I'm stoked for. Brett, how you doing, buddy? How's things going up north? Oh, I'm not too bad up north. We're starting to get the the S word here. We're starting to get the white stuff. So uh, I'm shipping away to Los Angeles this weekend, and it couldn't come at a better time. <laughs> <laughs> Love to hear that for you. We actually got a snow scare here in October in Chicago, which, you know, didn't didn't have us feeling too good. We fortunately, <laughs> we bounced back this past weekend, Brett. We had weather up in the 70s, which think we all know is the last hurrah but yeah it felt great it was shorts and t-shirt weather after <laughs> down in like the 30s and 40s a few days prior oh dude my yeah it, it's been crazy this is just how the seasons go in chicago you'll get uh fake winter which we just had and now we'll get fourth summer you know <laughs> it, it's just crazy up here but uh it mm. did sure feel like hockey season i'll tell you what when it got down into the 30s and 40s and and yeah uh, we have Edmonton in town on Thursday. Got some questions for you, Brett, about this Oilers team, because obviously last year in the postseason, uh, they get the job done in round one, which felt like was a really mon- monumental series just for kind of like the structure of the Oilers and all the naysayers that that would have had questions about McDavid and Dreisaitl together had they not been able to have that playoff success. But they go and win the first round series. They win the Battle of Alberta in commanding fashion, four to one. Uh, ultimately do end up falling short, but everyone did to the Colorado Avalanche. They, they kind of just ran through everyone. Uh, but, you know, with McDavid and Dreisaitl, as long as they're a part of this team, there's always going to be expectations that follow. And looking at this roster as a whole, at least from afar, I don't think there's any doubt that the forwards are the strength of this team. But when I, I look at the defense, just all in all, when you're thinking about a Stanley Cup contender. I just have some concerns about that defense. Can you kind of tell me your your thoughts about some of those guys, Tyson Berry, obviously Darnell Nurse, a young guy, and Evan Bouchard, who the Blackhawks passed on. Uh, tell me about your confidence in this decor. Are they good enough to get the job done come playoff time? What are your thoughts? Well, weirdly enough, this uh, defense is severely missing. And I say weirdly enough because he was kind of a polarizing polarizing player uh, when he played for the Oilers. And that is uh, someone you're very familiar with and Duncan Keith. And the Edmonton Oilers are missing him. Evan Bouchard, this is his big come out coming out year almost. It's his second full season in the NHL. And last game was his best game he's had all season. And... On my last show yesterday, I I tiered the Edmonton Oilers defensemen. I had them at the top tier. I had an inconsistent tier, and I had a a not great start tier. And I had four defensemen in that inconsistent tier, and Evan Bouchard and Tyson Berry were two of those names in there. 
However, Darnell Nurse, you mentioned him first year of that massive contract that everybody seems to uh, love talking about. And him and Cody Cece have been the most consistent defensemen for the Oilers. And that's the issue is that they have been the most consistent. They have been the top. They are the top pairing. So that's what you expect. But you need more consistency out of the Evan Bouchards, the Tyson Berries, two guys who are supposed to be quarterbacking the best power play over the last three years. And Evan Bouchard doesn't have a goal yet. There's there's a lot of work still that needs to be done on that back line. Marcus Nemo Linen is starting to get uh, more minutes. Uh, Ryan Murray's been. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Philip Roberg's still injured right now. So uh, we'll, we'll see how everything comes together, but there may, may need to be an addition on that back end. And I also wanted to ask you about the goaltender position because with Edmonton, Feels like that's been a topic of conversation for the past few seasons. You go out and you give Jack Campbell the, the pretty big five-year deal, five by five. Uh, how has he looked so far in the early going? And is there a new confidence around this team? Because it seems like they finally have that number one goaltender. Not to knock on Mike Smith. I think it's tremendous what he's done for his age. But it's a little bit different now with Skinner coming in, right? Or with Skinner, excuse me, with, with um, Jack Campbell. Jackie boy. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it always felt every game. He didn't know what Mike Smith was going to come out or which Mike Smith was going to be in between those pipes. Was it going to be that, that crazy psychopath Mike Smith that's all over the place, stopping everything. And the key word is all over the place. Or is he going to be, well, the Mike Smith we saw in the Colorado series. The thing about Jack Campbell and everybody, especially early has pointed to those numbers. Sure, they're not maybe favorable numbers right now, but when you go into the games and you see the saves that Jack Campbell has made, every game that Jack Campbell has been in, he has given the Edmonton Oilers a chance to win the game. Maybe there's been some soft ones here and there, but most of the goals you can't really blame Jack Campbell with. He's made the initial save, and they've jammed away, and those defensemen that we just talked about lost the battle in front of the net, and the puck goes into the net. The uh, complete same thing, because you mentioned the confidence. <laughs> when Miko Koskinen was the backup, it was praying to the lords. You're, you're going, well, maybe we'll get 15 saves out of him. Some, and most of the time he shocked us, but uh, it was an inconsistent form. Now the Edmonton Oilers, you mentioned Stuart Skinner. Stuart Skinner can go into the game and he's going to play or is playing played last night, I guess, depending on when this episode comes out um, uh, against the St. Louis blues third game of the season for him. Cause he came in against the Calgary flames. And so far he has been fantastic, a totally different uh, uh, feel to the Edmonton Oilers crease and every game going in, it feels very, very comfortable. Yeah. I was actually happy to see that Skinner was getting the start. Uh, well, We'll be posting this on Thursday morning, so Wednesday night with the Oilers in St. Louis because uh, he, he had given the Blackhawks fits a couple of times that they have seen him. Anyone who catches with that opposite hand for some reason, the, the Blackhawks always struggle with them. Yeah. But uh, the last question I wanted to ask you, Brett, before we'll turn things over to you, uh, just kind of tell me about this Oilers start, the 3-3 three and three through their first six games. Uh, all six, interestingly enough, at home to open up the year, the reverse New York Islanders there a little bit. Uh, but th they have some good wins. They beat Pittsburgh recently. I saw they also beat the Carolina Hurricanes. 
Uh, talk to me about these first three ga- or first six games. What have you liked? What have the Oilers done well? What do they kind of need to work on? Give me, the, me and the listeners, the rundown before this matchup. Yeah, and uh, Jay Woodcroft put, put it the best way. Heading into the game against the Penguins, the Edmonton Oilers theoretically had five one-goal games. Every other game had uh, an empty net here, uh, the odd insurance goal here, whatever that may have been. So, yes, you may look at the the score sheet, and ah, the Edmonton Oilers lost 5-3 or whatever it may have been. The Edmonton Oilers came back from a 4-1 deficit, a tough start, which has been the Edmonton Oilers' kryptonite. The Edmonton Oilers haven't been able to figure out playing the full 60 minutes. The first five minutes has been an issue in the first and second period for most games. But then you take a look at the Pittsburgh game, and then they didn't allow Pittsburgh a shot in, since the fifteen fifty mark of the second period in that game. So it's been a little bit of the inconsistencies, putting together a whole 60 minutes altogether. But again, Jay Woodcroft, I love listening to Jay Woodcroft because he puts fantastic perspective into things. But somebody asked him about, again, the outcomes of those games. Heading into the game against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, they were 2-3. and They got the, the result and went to 500 here. But he said in the press conference before, you're going to the outcome. We're focused on the process. Yes, again. They are 500. They are three and three in a six game homestand that you should hopefully get at least eight points in four and two in those games. But you still have to take a look at what's going on inside those games, the process. So then for those next 80 games, you can go and fix those and not pull a Vancouver or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a long way to go. It's, it's more. Uh, deeper diving into those six games, now looking at the results and seeing kind of uh, what everything looks at as a whole aside from that. Well, Brett, I appreciate some insight there on the Edmonton Oilers ahead of this matchup. Coming up in just a minute, a minute I will turn it over to you to ask me some Blackhawks questions. But first, real quick, I got to tell all the listeners out there about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on, not just football. BetOnline is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores live. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the NHL, MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to the website today or You can also go and check out our mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Back here for segment two. Turning it over now to Brett for some questions from the Edmonton side of things. The floor is yours, my dude. Yeah, well, I'm trying to debate where to start here. I'm going to start in the crease for the Chicago Blackhawks for y'all. And uh, a former technical Edmonton Oiler is in the tandems there. And Alex Stalock, am am I not mistaken here? Could he potentially get the start against the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, he is going to get the start from all accounts. Peter Morazic is currently on IR with a groin injury, so... Uh, while he's out, it seems like the Blackhawks are going to lean on Stalock pretty heavily. So, yeah, I would expect to see him in that tonight. 
And how do you feel about that? Because <laughs> as again, he came to the Oilers and had his, uh, I believe it was myocarditis uh, issues related to uh, a COVID issue that he had before signing with the Oilers or coming to the Edmonton Oilers and uh, had to get his treatment, then went to, I believe he played a game in Bakersfield or got sent down, then went to San Jose and now back to, uh, or now to Chicago. Not a lot of game time exactly for him over the last two, three years. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's been a pretty crazy last few years for Alex Daylock. He was forced to step away from the game. Uh, but I, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him, honestly, and it, it's never boring watching him. He is one of the most aggressive goaltenders I've ever seen play the position. <laughs> I mean, he loves giving the fans a good heart attack by skating 30, 40 feet out of the net to go and play a puck or something. It's wild. It, it's the Alex Stalock experience for you. But no, in all seriousness, he's actually been pretty good to start the year, I've thought, and even in the preseason, too. Like, again, considering he hasn't played much hockey and goaltenders a position where it's really a feel and you got to get your reps like that's so important for them to have success. So it's been really a pleasant surprise seeing how well Alex Daylock has fared. He's uh, now three and oh at home on the season. So he, he's been rolling in the right direction for the most part, making all the saves that he needs to. Uh, I think the Blackhawks defense can do a little bit better job of cleaning up in front of him to try to prevent some redirects and stuff like that. But I really don't have any complaints about Staylock other than his uh, away from the net activities are a little <laughs> bit of a concern, but uh, there's definitely some con some um, worries about whether or not he'll be able to keep this up. And it's also a reason why <laughs> kind of some Blackhawks fans were happy that they brought him in as the backup one, you know, tanking was the major talking point four and two people have kind of forgotten about it. Now it'll probably still happen, but a lot of people were happy they brought on Staylock because they thought he'd be a way for them to lose games, but he's done the opposite early on so far this season, Brett. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. And of course, massive props to him. That is not an easy road back and being able to play NHL games after that is, is unbelievable. You mentioned the, the defense in front of him. I'm taking a look. I'm here on that daily face off and looking at Don't the line. Don't yeah. do it. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got a couple brothers. Uh, you Well, you got a set of brothers, I should say, in Seth Jones and Caleb Jones in uh, involved in that uh, Duncan Keith trade as well. Um, it, all right. Top pairing. You got Seth Jones on there, but we, we talk about the Oilers back line. I mean, we know the differences between the two teams here, but what's the issue here i mean you're four and two so clearly something may be clicking here but is there an issue how do you feel about the 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 defensive core here yeah it's kind of ironic right because last year's blackhawks decor um when they still had calvin dehan is like a top four in general jake mccabe connor murphy seth jones calvin dehan like i thought that was a pretty decent top four and Blackhawks were one of the worst teams defensively throughout the entirety of the season, but it's kind of seeming like that really had more so to do with previous head coach Jeremy Colleton and the structure that he ran because, as you just mentioned, go and look at the Blackhawks' deep pairings on daily faceoff. It's Jack Johnson playing top pairing minutes with Seth Jones. You got Jared Tenorti on the second pairing with Connor Murphy. Like You wouldn't think this Blackhawks' defense would be doing really well, but here we are that they've been handling their own and 
I think you have to give some credit to the style and the structure that Luke Richardson has implemented and just the overall mentality that the team has. It feels like the Blackhawks have not been giving up nearly as many scoring chances as they did last season, at least in the high danger areas for sure. Uh, and the penalty kill, too. we got to give a lot of credit to the, the penalty kill. The Blackhawks have killed off 20 of their last 21 penalties since the opener against Colorado. They've also scored four shorthanded goals during that stretch. So they've been outscoring the opposing team's power plays over the last four or five games. So a, a lot of good work. You probably don't expect it. Hell, I didn't even expect it. But uh, if you sleep on the Blackhawks, they've shown early on, regardless of what they look like on paper, they can hang. And you mentioned it right there. It's finding the way to score outside of five on five, the the, the power plays. Those shorthanded goals are massive. Those are what win games. And, and I mean, that's the early success so far. That's something I want to get to in just a second here. I have two more pointed questions for you. One towards uh, your first line center, Max Domi. You have quite an interesting first line of Andreas Athanasiu, Max Domi, and Patrick Kane. I don't know if you ever heard of him. But uh, uh, yeah, a first line center of Max Domi and a first line left winger of Andreas Athanasiu. Again, obviously something's clicking and, and, and the Blackhawks are winning games. Up and down a couple of seasons for Athanasiu. Same thing with Max Domi. How are we kind of feeling with the first couple of games, more specifically with Max Domi? Yeah, they've kind of stuck with that trio. Head coach Luke Richardson, I I should say, has stuck with that trio throughout basically the opening of training camp in the preseason. It's really been those three guys. And they've gone through their struggles thus far at five on five. I, I will say their last game against Florida was probably their best, but. As a trio, they really haven't done all that much, which makes it even more impressive. I think that the Blackhawks are four and two. Uh, but, but yeah, it's not an ideal top line. Like, Athanasiu's got the speed, but we haven't really seen anything else, and that's always been the problem. And Domi has some playmaking ability, but, you know, it, it's hard when he's just not on Patrick Kane's level, and they've kind of had difficulty clicking a little bit. But I, I think both... Domi and Athanasiu have picked it up here recently. Uh, Domi's got a three-game point streak going on right now. So those guys have been all right, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they don't kind of start clicking here in the next few games. I think there's a long leash on that trio right now, and Luke Richardson wants to give them the benefit of the doubt in more games than not. But uh, I don't think it would be the craziest thing to see that top line shooken up if things don't kind of get better here in the, the next week or two. And I mean, it's not like Jonathan Taves isn't in the lineup again. So you you can potentially, if you do break it up, uh, you, you can, you can really here. Um, my last question here is again, we mentioned the record four and two. Something's clicking here. What is it? Honestly, I just think it's the mentality. And I think coaching has made a huge difference as well, but there's also something just dangerous about a team that has nothing to lose. Backs against the wall. The expectations are literally the floor. That was what Blackhawks fans were thinking entering the season. And, you know, they've just they've done the little things right, I think, is the biggest thing. I talked about the penalty kill being really good and going on a 20 of 21 run. They also have a power play that's in the top five. I, I know we're early on in the season, but top five in the NHL right now. And they were terrible in the preseason. So that's been a very pleasant surprise. We talked about the importance of the shorthanded goals earlier. 
uh, j- just working hard in something, too, that's been really big for the Blackhawks. Their third periods have been great and kind of close games, both against Detroit and Seattle. They were the better team in the third period and found a way to get the job done late. Uh, and that goes a long way when you're in those close games and against, you know, not premier teams. So the, the Blackhawks, credit to Luke Richardson and, and credit to their work ethic. And I think a lot of it, too, is they're having fun. There's not been a bad word said about Luke Richardson since he's arrived here. And I've only heard good things prior to that, too. Like everyone loves playing for Luke Richardson. Max Domi even talked in training camp about how this was his free his favorite training camp ever. Tyler Johnson touched on it the other day saying the guys are just having a lot of fun right now. So uh, it, it's just good vibes. I think honestly is kind of uh, outrageous as that sounds that that really is, you know, c- can fill uh, a dangerous team like the Blackhawks when they have nothing to lose. Will the run last forever? Probably not, but it's fun and nice to see at least, you know, they're heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And early too, especially in that this whole rebuild that we're seeing right now. I put in quotations because I mean they're winning, so it they're maybe not so much rebuild. But uh, you mentioned mentality too, and I think that's a very important thing. I just want to mention uh, Edmonton has this soccer team here in town in the Canadian Premier League, which is basically not really the MLS, but it's a small small professional league up here, and. They deem their season uh, uh, FC opportunity, and I kind of see something very similar in in Chicago. And uh, you mentioned the the mentality and how dangerous a team who has their backs against the wall, nothing to lose. I kind of see that type of mentality in them. It's just like, hey, we have an opportunity here. I mean, Andreas Athanasiu is your first line left winger anywhere else, mostly other than maybe Arizona. He would probably be a bottom six, middle six guy. So, I mean, I think that's a perfect way of putting it, uh, putting it is the mentality of this team who has nothing to lose. Yeah. It's just kind of one of these, I don't want to say filler season in the rebuild, but it's one of those years where there's no expectations. We're kind of Mm -hmm. just going through it for draft pick purposes and you got to play 82 games. You can't hit the simulate button. Like we're playing shell. Um, but, but yeah, it's what makes, I think the potential for this season to be fun for the Blackhawks, whether win or loss, there's a lot of potential for this team to be fun. And as a fan, we can live with that more so than what we had to deal with last year, which was just outrageous in, in so many different ways. But Brett, you want to get into some predictions and keys to victory so I can get you on out of here before your matchup in St. Louis tonight. Let's do it up. Let's do it up. For sure. So uh, it, it seems like, I, again, I mentioned this earlier, Skinner's getting the start tonight in St. Louis. So I'll expect to see Jack Campbell tomorrow in Chicago. He, he's going to be in that probably. And uh, give us your keys to victory for Edmonton, two or three maybe, and what you think the final outcome will be. The first thing for the Edmonton Oilers that they need to do is to come out early in that game. They need to start the game on time. It's been an issue for the Edmonton Oilers since the playoffs last year. Uh, They have really not been able to start games. They've been able to finish them, but it's uh, it's been either a 48-minute game out of 60 or or a 40-minute game. So they need to start the game on time. The second thing is they need to play hard in their own end. They need to make it difficult for the Blackhawks to run a cycle in their own end, especially below the face-off dots. 
They brought up Niemalainen, and since then, he's getting uh, extended uh, minutes. Uh, Tyson Berry has gotten some praise recently from Jay Woodcroft about his uh, ability to read the game and shut down the cycle there. Evan Bouchard is third on the team, one hit behind or uh, uh, Darnell Nurse for second on the team in hits for the Edmonton Oilers, too. So that needs to also be uh, there for the Oilers as well. And the final thing I have for the Oilers to really work on is, <laughs> please, for the love of God, anything that's holy, score the first goal. <laughs> like, the Edmonton Oilers have the best winning percentage of any team in the NHL since the start of 2021 after scoring first. The Edmonton Oilers score first. It's a, a hard ride for the other team. I think uh, the Edmonton Oilers obviously need to score there first. My prediction for the game, uh, I, uh, Connor has been held off the score sheet uh, heading into St. Louis for two games straight now. It doesn't happen very often. Connor had a tough fall in that game against Pittsburgh too. I think Connor is going to start coming on here, especially in this, uh, uh, on this road trip here. I could see Connor really taking over both the St. Louis and the Chicago game. So I'd probably go, let's go five, three. Cause I think, uh, Jack might not stay shaky here, but they're the Oilers defense may hang him out to dry. Yeah. I do think there has some potential to be offense in this one. And I think one key for the Blackhawks would be to limit the amount of penalties they take. Now, I've talked a lot about the success they've had while shorthanded. Let's not do that against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. It's just <laughs> not a recipe for success. We know what those guys can do on the ice together when they're a man up. And the Blackhawks, in, in their last game against Florida, they had 10 minutes of penalties in the second period. They spent 10 minutes shorthanded, took six penalties total in the game. They didn't make life's e life easy on themselves. Don't do that against Edmonton. It's I think that'll help them stay competitive in this one. Uh, I also think it would be key if they can continue to get some depth scoring, particularly from their third line of Philip Kurashev, Jason Dickinson, and Sam Lafferty. That trio has been absolute dynamite since Jake and Jason Dickinson was acquired from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he's got a couple of big-time goals already, and that line just has been making an impact each and every night. If they can find a way to get on the stat sheet, help out a second line that's been really good. Patrick Kane has multi-point efforts in the last two games. Get some scoring from the depth guys. I think that goes a long way. Uh, as far as my final prediction on this game, I mentioned I think there's going to be some offense. I'm going five to four Oilers in overtime. I'm not going to feel bad about it, though, because I did a crossover with the guys from Lockdown Red Wings. I predicted Detroit to win. Blackhawks won. I did it with Armando Velez from Lockdown Panthers, predicted the Panthers to win. The Blackhawks won. I'm rolling with it here, and I'm actually <laughs> going to be in attendance at the UC for the game tomorrow night. So nice. hopefully if it does go to overtime, I'm wrong, and the Blackhawks get a win for my sake so I don't walk out of there angry. Uh, but this is kind of my win-win play that I've been rolling with here, Brett. So I got 5-4 Oilers in overtime. I like the reverse psychology. That's that's a big brain move right there. <laughs> it's been it's been dynamo. I mean, we're on a current streak. You can't don't fix it if it's not broken. That's what right, I'm going exactly. with right now, Brett. <laughs> well, dude, this has been it. a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on to the show. No, you got to get on out of here because the Oilers have a, a date with the St. Louis Blues tonight. But before you get out of here, uh, please let all of my listeners know where they can find you and where they can find the show. 
Yes, you can find me personally on Twitter, Instagram, every social media. I think my next opia is still at the real Holden 40. But you don't care about me. You care about the team. You care about the Oilers. And you can find Locked On Oilers on Twitter at Locked On Oilers, exactly how it sounds. And as well on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed to Locked On Oilers yet, exactly how it sounds there as well. What are you doing? Head over there and hit the subscribe button for us there. It's a great time. You get to see some of my fun jerseys. I got a, a Texas Stars Jack Campbell jersey back here. You mentioned Jack. I had to get this one. And the Linus Omark, okay? The, the, the cult legend. So we, we, have, we have some fun little uh, Easter eggs here on, on our YouTube. <laughs> I absolutely love it. For my stuff, you can find Lockdown Blackhawks, again, on any social media platform, at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. For my personal, check me out at Jack Bushman 2 on Twitter. That's going to do it here for today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and Lockdown Oilers. Thanks again to everyone for making the show your first listen, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.